Good morning, everyone. Good morning. It is Ephesians, the fifth chapter, where my Bible is opened up. And it would be advantageous for you to open up a Bible to Ephesians chapter 5 as well. It's really going to serve as our home base as we get ready to work together for these next few minutes in the Word of God. Let's get a Bible cranking and let's be looking together in the Scriptures. As you're turning to Ephesians 5, let me echo the welcome that's been extended to you already. It is great to see everybody today, even with uh, the number that we have that are out with with sickness and with illness and all the crud that's going around, but I'm glad that you're here today and I'm encouraged by the fact that I get to be in this good number uh, to worship God with you. There really is no better way to begin this week or any week than by being in the house of the Lord and being amongst God's people, worshiping Him. It really sets the tone for, for our week and sets the tone for how we live our lives. We are returning today to the preaching theme for 2020 that we introduced last month, on marriage matters. All year long, we just want to see and we want to investigate what the Bible has to say about various matters pertaining to the marriage relationship. And we want to do that not only to help those of us who are married or those of us who hope to one day be married, but also to help all of us to develop a biblical mindset about marriage. We want to say and we want to affirm what God has to say about marriage, namely that marriage matters. And this morning we want to examine one of those key ideas that's talked about here at the end of Ephesians chapter 5. Read with me the very end of the chapter, verse 33. In Ephesians 5 and verse 33, Paul says here, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. What is the worst possible Valentine's Day present that a man could give his wife? Well, a London newspaper ran a poll to find out as they asked women to tell what was the worst gift that they had ever received on Valentine's Day. One woman said that on Valentine's Day, one time she was given a wheelbarrow. Wow! Useful, but I'm not exactly sure that that's all that romantic. That was topped by a woman who said one year for Valentine's Day she was given an ironing board cover. Wow, practical, but again, not all that exciting. Another woman said that her husband on Valentine's Day gave her once a bathroom scale. I am not the best at gift giving, but you know what? Even I am not that stupid. The winner, hands down though, was the woman who said on Valentine's Day one year, her husband gave to her a tarantula. Yes, because nothing says I love you like a big hairy spider. Well, this is the time of year when there are lots of words and ideas and thoughts being expressed about this. Lots of pressure that's placed on guys to go out and to find that perfect Valentine's Day gift For their lady to find the perfect jewelry, to find the perfect flowers, to find those perfect chocolates, or to find that perfect Hallmark card. And while all of that is well and good, I think there certainly is a place for all of that. What I really want to know this morning is, is ladies, what are you going to get your husbands for Valentine's Day? And hopefully the answer is not a big poisonous spider or an ironing board cover, but wives... What are you going to get your husbands this Valentine's Day? Well, this morning I'm going to suggest to you that the Bible actually offers some direction and some instruction in that regard. 
The Bible actually gives you some help and some insight that will help you and enable you to give your husbands the very best Valentine's Day gift ever. And no, it's not a steak dinner. No, it's not a brand new pickup truck. No, I believe that the text that we just read in Ephesians 5 and verse 33 actually shows the very best possible gift that a wife can give to her husband on Valentine's Day or any day for that matter, and that is the gift of respect. Catch it again. Let the wife see that she respects her husband. What every man wants is respect. What every man needs is respect. And there is no person that that man wants that respect from more than from his wife. The greatest gift I'm going to affirm to you this morning that a woman can give to her husband is respect. And even more importantly, ladies, whenever a wife does that, She is not only giving something that is wonderful to her husband that he wants and that he craves, but even more so, she is fulfilling the command of God. She is pleasing the Lord when she gives respect to her husband. Ladies, how much thought have you given to this powerful gift of respecting your husband? This morning, I want to unpack some ideas about respect in marriage. I want to talk about what that is. I want to talk about what that looks like. I want to talk a little bit about how our society tries to undermine that at every turn. And I want to talk about how we can get more of that in the marriage relationship. And ladies, while it is going to seem this morning like I'm picking on you really, really bad, hey, come on here, what about the men? Well, don't worry. Their day is coming. I'm going to talk to the men specifically next month, Lord willing. But right now, let's talk about the responsibility that God through His Word has placed upon wives. And I want to begin that by just talking about, about why this is so important. Why is respect so important for a husband? I am persuaded that there is nothing more important to a husband than to have the respect of his family and specifically the respect of his wife. And in fact, I can show you that from the Bible. Would you look in the Old Testament, please, in the book of Esther? In Esther chapter 1, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, that's where you'll find Esther. In Esther chapter 1, we read about a king who had some problems with his wife, the queen. In Esther chapter 1, Ahasuerus, or Xerxes, he commands his wife, the queen Vashti, to make an appearance at a banquet. And we're not sure about all the details and maybe all the significance of the, the cultural customs that are going on there. But what we do know from the text is that Vashti, she refuses to appear. She does not honor the wishes of her husband. And that causes the king's wise men to pay notice. They notice what she does and they say, "Uh uh-oh, king, that's a problem. That's going to create some huge problems in the kingdom. So in Esther chapter 1, beginning in verse 15, they say to the king, in Esther 1 verse 15, they say, according to the law... What is to be done to Queen Vashti? Because she has not performed the command of King Xerxes delivered by the eunuchs. Verse 16, Then Mimikan said in the presence of the king and the officials, Not only against the king has the queen, queen done this wrong, but also against all the officials and all the peoples who are in all the provinces of King Xerxes. For the queen's behavior will be made known to all women, causing them to look at their husbands with contempt. 
Since they will say King Xerxes commanded Queen Vashti to be brought before him, and she did not come. This very day, the noble women of Persia and Media, who have heard of the queen's behavior, they will say the same to all the king's officials, and there will be contempt and wrath in plenty. Wow! I want you to please notice that the wise men, the focus of what they say here is not, oh man, how can we go and comfort the king? How can we go and lift his spirits during this trying time? No, that's not their concern. What they're concerned about is what just happened here is it's going to set a precedent for the entire kingdom where every single man, every husband is disrespected. All men are going to be treated with contempt like this. They are concerned about the breakdown in marriage that will occur all across the Persian Empire because what these wise men understood is that respect is the lifeblood of leadership. We'll say that again. Respect is the lifeblood of leadership. It is absolutely essential to leadership. You must have it. Without respect, then the only way that a leader can make people follow them is to coerce them or to trick them or to force them to do so. And that that never ends well. It does not work in the long term, and it never produces good results. Leaders must have the respect of their followers in order to do their job effectively. Think, for example, about how that works in the military. I think we can all get this when it comes to the military. In the United States military, those men dress for respect. The reason that top-ranking officials and generals do not wear the same clothes as the lowly privates the reason that the top-ranking generals and officials, they wear the, you know, the bars on the collar, and they've got the stars on the hat, and they've got the medals on their lapel, is because everybody needs to know who the leader is, so that they can then show proper respect to that leader. When that respect is then given, that then enables the leader to lead those who are under his charge. If we can understand that in the military, can we go back to Ephesians now? In Ephesians, take a look at how that works in the home. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul says this back up in verse 23. In Ephesians 5 and in verse 23, here's the way God designed the home. In Ephesians 5 verse 23, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. The reason that husbands need respect because God has called men to be the leaders of their home. Wives, I really cannot overstate how important it is that we have your respect as we try to carry out this task. In fact, in a national survey that was conducted back in 2003, men were asked this question. They were asked, if you were faced with the choice of either being alone and unloved for the rest of your life, or feeling inadequate and disrespected... Which would you choose? Alone and unloved or disrespected? It wasn't even close. 74% of men said that they would prefer being lonely and unloved to being disrespected. Think about that. By a margin of practically three to one, men would rather have that people respect them than to love them. And the truth of the matter is, I don't need a national survey in order to make that point. 
Because in Ephesians 5 verse 23, God calls men to carry the heavy mantle of leadership in marriage. And when you drop down and add to that what's said in Ephesians 5 verse 33, God says that men are going to need respect, the respect of their wives, in order to do that effectively. If I'm going to be able to lead my family in the way that God wants me to lead my family, then I need their respect. In fact, that is so essential that Paul in 2 Timothy, excuse me, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, when he discusses the qualifications for a man to be an elder, to be a shepherd of God's people, Paul says there that if that man does not have the respect of his children, then he cannot lead the church because, because he doesn't have the respect that is necessary in order to be a leader. Maybe right here is a really good place to add what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3. Would you find 1 Peter chapter 3? Peter talks here about the marriage relationship, and he talks about how that relationship needs to work even if the husband is not a Christian. We're talking this morning, I think, about kind of the ideal where you'd have a man and a woman who are both trying to serve God, but what about if maybe the husband's not even a Christian, he's not even a believer? Well, Peter says some things that helps. In 1 Peter chapter 3, look in verse 1. Peter says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see, look at this, when they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing that you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. What a powerful text to talk about respect, that when it is demonstrated and when it is shown, that it can even have the power to win over an unbeliever. And by the way, ladies, if you're thinking to yourself, oh, I could never do that. There's no way I would ever do that. The man would just run and walk all over me. Would you look at verse 7? In verse 7, Peter continues on. He says, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor, showing respect to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Do you see it there? When you respect your husband... You empower him to respect and honor you. You are taking your place in God's designed role for marriage, which then allows him to take his designated place. He can lead as you demonstrate respect. Maybe right here is where we need to, maybe we need to put a little bit of definition on what we're talking about. You know, we use this word respect all of the time, but what exactly is that? What exactly is the Bible going for here? In some ways, respect is one of those things that we, we tend to know it and recognize it when we see it, but it's a little bit harder to, to quantify and to spell out. You know, if someone takes a United States flag and they wad that up and throw it on the ground or spit on it or they burn it, then we recognize that as being, that person seems to have some disrespect. They don't, they don't have respect like they should for the flag, what that represents and for our country. On the other hand, if, if someone is really, really wise, 
and, and we want to go and talk with them about, about a decision that we're facing in life. What does that show? That shows and that demonstrates that we have respect for that person and for their judgment and for, for the things that they know. When a judge walks into a courtroom and the bailiff says, all rise, and everybody stands up, what is that? It's a very visual sign of respect. We know it when we see it, don't we? But how exactly do we define that? If you start running some dictionaries and some thesauruses and lexicons, what you end up is you end up with definitions like this, that respect is to consider someone worthy of high regard. It means to esteem someone. It means to show deference to. Those are all some powerful ideas, especially as you think about those in marriage, to esteem your husband. To hold him in high regard. To show deference to him. Do you know what deference is? Deference is to submit to another's wishes or opinion or governance. Let me see if I can take all of those ideas and kind of pack them together. Here's the Josh McKibben definition of what we're going for as we work with this idea of respect. Respect is a feeling of admiration and esteem and regard that then causes us to submit and to defer to the leading of another. I think that well harmonizes with what Scripture is going for when it talks about this idea of respect. Think about it. We respect Almighty God. That's a big part of what brought us here this morning, isn't it? Our respect for God. We hold Him in high regard and esteem. We do that so that we can submit and defer to His wishes and to His commands. You know, the ancient Jews, they held God in such high regard that they actually refrained from uttering His name for fear that they might mispronounce His name and thus disrespect Him. I mentioned something a second ago about elders in a local church. Who are elders in a church? Well, those are men who are held in high regard. We have a feeling of admiration and esteem for men who would devote their lives to shepherding the flock of God. And so as a result, we defer to those men who have met those qualifications. We to submit to such men. In fact, Hebrews 13, 17 commands us to do so. We follow their lead. That's respect. Or think about even in just in society and in a government. I think one of the reasons that our society is showing signs of coming unraveled and falling apart at the seams is because there is a lack of respect for the laws of this land and for the authorities that are endowed by God to administer and to enforce those laws. But in Romans, the 13th chapter, Paul talks about having regard for rulers who are a terror to bad conduct and how we must be in subjection to the authority that God has given to government. Of course, you realize this morning that what we're really most interested in is this idea of respect... In the home. And more specifically, wives, am I respecting my husband in marriage? Look with me in 2 Samuel 6. I'll show you this where it's absent. Here's an example where respect is not found. In 2 Samuel 6, we have the account of the moving of the Ark of the Covenant into the city of Jerusalem. And when that happens, David is so excited and so overjoyed at this event... He takes off his royal robe and he dons the robe of a common man and he leads the procession of the ark into Jerusalem 
as he dances for joy. He's joining all the rest of the common people, dancing for joy, celebrating this wonderful, momentous event. This is a time for great celebration. And yet, in 2 Samuel chapter 6, we learn in verse 20 that his wife, Michael, she's not all impressed by her husband. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, beginning in verse 20, But Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David, and she said, How the king of Israel honored himself today, uncovering himself today before the eyes of his servants, female servants, as one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. Verse 21, David said to Michael, It was before the Lord. It was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me as prince over Israel, the people of the Lord. And I will make merry before the Lord. I will make myself yet more contemptible than this. I will be abased in your eyes, but by my feet, by the female servants of whom you have spoken, by them I shall be held in honor. Michael, the daughter of Saul, she had no child to the day of her death. Michael disrespected her husband, David. And that caused a rift in that marriage, didn't it? You can just feel the tension being described there. Look in the book of Proverbs. That's highlighted again in Proverbs chapter 12. In Proverbs chapter 12, the wise man says this in verse 9. In Proverbs chapter 12, excuse me, Proverbs 21. Proverbs 12. Oh, let's go with 12 first. Proverbs chapter 12, I've got chapter 21, we'll get to that next. In Proverbs chapter 12, look in verse 4. Proverbs 12 and verse 4, An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. Josh McKibben, South Central Kentucky translation says, She who disrespects her husband is like rottenness in his bones. Look now in Proverbs 21. In Proverbs chapter 21, this is verse number 9. In Proverbs 21 and in verse 9, Solomon says there, Proverbs 21 verse 9, It is better to live in a corner of the housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. Wow. Why is it better to live on the corner of the roof out there in the rain and in the snow and where the bugs are than inside the house with a quarrelsome wife? It's because... It's because that's describing a woman who doesn't respect her husband. Can we go back to where we started in Ephesians chapter 5? Go back to Ephesians 5 verse 33. How is it that God envisions a Christian home? What's that supposed to look like? In Ephesians chapter 5, the home as God would have it is summarized in verse 33. Let each one of you love his wife as himself. Let the wife see she respects her husband. That's God's model. That's God's ideal for the home. Now, with that passage in front of our eyes, we're looking at that right now. Can I address what is oftentimes the number one objection to respect in marriage? That objection is this thinking that, well, I'll show him respect when he's earned it. Because don't you know, respect isn't given Respect is earned. When he shows himself to be worthy of my respect, then, then I'll give him respect. We hear that kind of thing all the time, don't we? We even hear that amongst Christians. And i got to tell you, it sounds reasonable, doesn't it? I mean, we say, okay, yeah, you get respect whenever you've earned respect. I'll give you respect when you've shown yourself worthy of being respected. Okay, Can we flip the roles and think about this from the other side for a second? 
Verse 33 says that husbands are to love their wives. In fact, if you bump back up in the text in verse 25, Paul says there that husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Can I ask you, when a couple maybe comes in and they're having some marital problems, maybe they go, if the church has elders, they go to see the elders about that. Or when they come and they want to talk to the preacher about their problems, and the husband then says, you know what, I just... I just don't think I love her anymore. I, I just don't know really what else to say about that. I, I just don't love her anymore. I actually had a man a few years ago, not here, someplace else, had a man come to me and that's what he said. He said, I just don't love my wife anymore. Do you know what we say to that man in that moment? I'll tell you what I said to that guy on that day. I said, brother, you need to repent. That's what you need to do. You need to repent. Loving your wife is a command of God. It is the gift that we give our wives and it is unconditional. We love them because we vowed to love them. We promised to love them. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't wait until we did something so loving and so worthy of His love before He decided to come here and to love us? Aren't you glad Jesus didn't do that? Jesus loves us as an act of His will. It was a decision on His part. We must love our wives then in the same way. Husbands, come on, pal. I said this to this guy. I said, come on now. You need to love your wife. And the congregation, the women, they said amen. Now we understand that. We understand that. That it is the man's obligation to love his wife. Ladies, what makes us think that it's any different? with a woman's obligation to respect her husband. Just as a husband does not wait for his wife to to earn his love, a wife does not wait for her husband to earn her respect. A wife respects her husband because it is the commandment of the Lord. What happens in so many bad marriages is you end up having two people many times who are just stuck. They're both sitting in neutral. He's waiting for her until she starts being more lovable. And she's waiting for him until he does something that's more respectable. And as a result, they both just sit there and they never get off. Go! Go! Start! Do what God says. Obey the voice of your Lord. Love your wives, men. Respect your husbands, ladies. Show esteem and regard. Demonstrate submission and deference. Can I just say right here, this is probably as good a place as any to say this to our young ladies who one day hope to be married. Ladies, young ladies, if you cannot bring yourself to submit and to respect a man as your husband, then don't get married. You'll just be sinning in that relationship all of the time. If you can't do what Ephesians 5.33 says, maybe that goes for the young men as well. Young men... Do not ask a woman to marry you if she does not show demonstrations and signs that she respects you. Otherwise, you're going to be a very busy man and you're going to have an unhappy marriage. This is the responsibility that God has placed upon women. And I'm saying to you this morning, wives, that when you do respect your husband, what that does is that ends up putting the wind in his sails. It puts the wind in his sails so that he can then lead with courage and with boldness. It discourages him from being passive and weak. And it encourages him to love you even more. God made men to lead. 
We are hardwired for leadership. But we need your respect in order to exercise all that God has created us to do, which means that when you respect your husband, you are giving him the ability to lead the way that God wants him to lead. You are giving him the opportunity to fulfill his part of Ephesians 5.33. You are making your home everything that God intends for it to be. That's why I'll say once again, there is no better gift that a woman can give to her husband than respect. Because by doing so, she makes everything in that marriage better. Better. Well, somebody asks, well, how exactly does she do that? How can a wife go about giving this gift to her husband? What exactly does that look like? Well, let me give you just a couple of practical ideas that I think help push us in that direction. And that all just has to start with making that decision. Respect is a decision. We must decide that we're going to obey God's Word. That we're going to do what is right and we're going to trust the Lord. That when the Lord says that what homes need is they need husbands who love their wives and they need wives who respect their husbands, we're going to trust that the Lord knows what He's talking about. And that what He has and what He has designed, it is for the best. That despite everything that our society says that is designed to emasculate and tear down men, everything that our society does to try to pull down and destroy male leadership, where Ephesians chapter 5.33 is pointed at and scoffed at, it's laughed at and ridiculed as being so chauvinistic, godly women must be the first to decide, I'm going to do what the Lord says to do. Because He knows best. Remember, respect is a verb and a noun. It is an attitude even more than it is an action. It starts in your heart. It starts in your mind. It has to be there first because you can't fake it. You can't pretend it. If you're running your husband down all the time behind his back, he'll know. Even if he never hears the actual words that you are saying about him, he'll know. He'll know because a leader can sense that. He can feel it when that respect isn't there. He can feel that whenever followers don't respect him. Which means, secondly, ladies, you need to focus on what your husband does well. There's only been one perfect man on this earth, and he's not here now, and you're not married to him. And so, if you're on a crusade and on a hunt to go and find all of your husband's failings, well, that'll be a really short trip. It won't take very long for you to find those things. Speaking on behalf of all men, we are fallible sinful and weak creatures. It does not take very long at all to shine a spotlight on the things that we do wrong. It doesn't take long to shine a spotlight on the things that I do wrong. Which is why instead, ladies, the challenge here is to put the spotlight on what your husband does right. What your husband does well. For example, do you have a husband who is sitting beside you this very morning Because He has led His family to the house of God so that we can worship Him on the Lord's day? Do you have that? If so, praise God for that. Be thankful for that. Does your husband have a job? Is he providing for you and for the needs of your family? Somebody maybe says, well, I wish he had a better job. I wish he made more money so that we could have more stuff. Do you see? 
Do you see how quickly we go negative? How quickly we start drawing attention to all of the shortcomings and all the things that we don't like? If your husband is supporting you, if he is working hard as God instructs men to do, let's focus on that. Let's be thankful for that. That helps to build and to grow and to foster respect. One writer said this, he said, In our day and age, a man can pledge and sacrifice his life for his wife and his family. But if he doesn't bring home flowers every now and then, he's a bad husband who doesn't love her. God forbid. God forbid that any woman would deny her husband the respect that God commands simply because she believes he's lacking in in the romance department or he's lacking in some other area of his life. Can you help him in that? Absolutely you can help him in that. Help him to grow where it is that he might be deficient. But don't forget to appreciate and accentuate what is there. What is good because that, that helps to build respect in marriage. And as you're doing that, make sure thirdly, that you don't ever, ever use those words and those statements that just serve to tear down and to destroy. Let's go back to Proverbs again. Look in Proverbs 12. In Proverbs chapter 12, this time in verse 18. In Proverbs chapter 12 and in verse 18, look at the first part of the verse. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. You know, we have become a world, a society, that just vomits every negative thought that we have in our mind. We vomit that out of our mouths. Many times we vomit that through our keyboards. You know what the wise man says? Stop it! Stop it! Stop doing that! A woman who verbally assaults her husband, that's what's being described there in verse 18. A verbal assault, a verbal beatdown. That person was attacked right there with those words like being stabbed with a sword. A woman who verbally assaults her husband, that woman, especially when she does that in front of others, when she does that out in public, when she does that around and in the presence of the children, what she does is she devastates that man's leadership. She is announcing in no uncertain terms, I don't respect my husband, and here's why. And she's doing that for everyone to hear. Now, does that mean that there's never a time for a woman to speak up and to point out the mistakes and the shortcomings of her husband? Of course not. She needs to do that. A good leader always wants to solicit feedback and even constructive criticism so that he can grow, so that he can make corrections and make adjustments, maybe even to repent, so that he can lead more effectively. I'm going to tell you, the time for that kind of criticism is never in public. Never in front of others. Never in front of the children. That kind of disrespect absolutely neuters that man's ability to lead. One woman even suggested, I got this from a woman, she wrote this on a blog. She said, ladies, think of the three T's before you speak. The text, that is, what are you going to say? Think of the time, that is, when are you going to say it? And think of the tone, that is, how are you going to say it? To build up your husband, you're going to need all three of those components. And in fact, that's the end of that verse in Proverbs chapter 12. Look in verse 18. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Instead of being all about criticizing and tearing down, what you want to do is you want to use those words to build up. 
You want to try to construct and to build up at every chance that you can get. Some women seem to think that it is their job to just humiliate their husband so that so that he doesn't let this leadership thing go to his head. And what a surprise when that man isn't much of a leader at all. But when a woman respects her husband, she's going to then look for opportunities to express her appreciation. She's going to look for opportunities to, to build him up in his leadership. She's going to look for opportunities to say to him, I, I trust your judgment on this, and I'm, I'm counting on you to get us to where we need to go. She's going to look for opportunities to say, even in the presence of her children, look kids, dad got it right. Dad did a good job. Let's be thankful for what dad did. She's going to be looking for opportunities to just simply say, I'm thankful for you, for what you're trying to do for our family. I realize that sometimes those words and those expressions, they may sound corny to us. But you know what? For just as much as men need to verbalize and vocalize and use their words to tell their wives every now and then, I love you. Sometimes men say things like, oh, she, she doesn't need me to say that. I show it to her. I demonstrate that to her. Listen, she needs to hear that. She needs to hear those words in the same way. Women need to verbalize, need to use their words to express their respect for their husbands. And I know sometimes that as men, we put on a a rugged and a tough exterior. But inside, I think I'm speaking for all men, it warms our hearts whenever our wives say to us, every now and then when they assure us, you're a good man. I'm thankful for what you do. That wise use of the tongue, It brings healing. It builds up. It helps to foster respect for your husband. It helps make marriage stronger and better. More of what God would have it to be. And so, my hope is this morning, that by talking a little bit about respect in marriage, that maybe that will, in some small way, relieve the stress that wives sometimes have over finding that right gift for their husband. I know I'm really tough to buy for. Because the truth is, while a steak dinner or a pickup truck or even a nice new wheelbarrow, even though that would be kind of cool, speaking on behalf of men, what we really want and what we really need, wives, is we need your respect. And I realize that that is not always easy. We do not always make that easy for you to do that. But I will remind you that God has not called anyone to do anything that they are incapable of doing. Husbands love your wives. Wives respect your husbands. Let's just jump into those roles. Let's give each other the gifts that God has ordained for marriage. And let's do that not just on Valentine's Day. Let's do that every day. Now as we extend heaven's invitation, it is worth asking what we talked about just a few moments ago. And that is, what does respect for God look like? It's not really been the focus of this lesson, but we have talked about some ideas pertaining to respect and how that applies in different areas. What does respect for the Lord look like? Someone would say, well, it's a, it's a feeling of awe, a feeling of reverence, maybe even a feeling of, of fear and trembling that we have before Him. And that certainly is true. That's, that, that's part of it. That fear, that awe, that reverence, it must then move us. Because real respect causes us to submit and to defer to the wishes of another. And this morning, 
What I'm going to suggest to you that the only way that you can truly show your respect for God is by your heartfelt obedience unto Him. And if you have never deferred to the Lord, submitted your will to His, been respondent to His wonderful call through the gospel, then this is your opportunity to do so. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is what real respect is all about. By obeying God's commands, by confessing that Jesus is, in fact, Lord. He is God's Son. By repenting and turning away from sin and turning to the Lord, by being baptized in water for the remission of your sins, you can become a Christian. And then by continuing to defer, to submit to the will of God throughout all the days of your life, being faithful to Him, you can one day know heaven as your home. That is God's promise to us. It may be, brother or sister, that you have acted upon those first principles, but it's that being faithful thing that's been that's been a stickler for you. You've not been faithful to the Lord. You've not truly respected Him as you ought. Repent of that. Humble yourself before Him. Do that this morning. Maybe you do that right there in your pew where you'll be sitting or where you'll be standing. Take care of that right now. Maybe you want to call upon us as your brothers and sisters here to pray with you and to encourage you so that all of us together we can help each other to respect and serve the Lord in a better way. Whatever your need may be this morning, we stand ready to assist you. You simply just need to make that known by coming to the front. Do that right now while we stand and while we sing.